episode 20, boys. Jake, how are we? Yes, good. Thanks, Ro. Thanks for having me again. No worries. Oh. Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Very excited for this one. I'll tell you, the first one of the uh, new season. Yeah, wasn't sure what to expect, to be honest, after the first two JLT games. Very different styles. One against West Coast, a very methodical team that likes to play possession out from halfback, and then Essendon at Kidney Park, some a bit more intense, fast running. And then this one at the G was just full throttle intensity. It was good to have the footy back, but the fact that not only were we in the game, but even level at three-quarter time, I, I went into the game not even expecting a win. I, all I was expecting and wanting was effort and determination. And when we were in the game at three-quarter time, I thought to myself, like, all right, we've, we've done all this work now. Surely, if we've got to this point, we can actually win this thing. And that's when I started, like, I, was, I started barracking really hard. And I thought, if we're this close, we might as well win it from here. So... Yeah, it was a very nervous last quarter for me. At times, between two to three goals down, but to be fair, we, we kept in it with so over a quarter of the squad was just made a, a debutance. Oh, what did you think? Gron Myers, uh, Jordan Clark, Dalhouse. Rowan. Rowan. New blood. Constable. Oh, just, I, I, I loved it, man. That you know That's going to be one of our best games for the year or the, one of the games that we look back on with a fair bit of um, pride and um, look back at it fondly at the end of the year um, because these you know players like Constable and Clark, they're going to get regular games this year. You're going to see Atkins play multiple games this year. Obviously, Rowan and Dalhouse will get games mm. as long as they stay fit. And Myers, he definitely showed he can uh, be a busy player as well. So mm. there's oh, just so much to like. And I'm just really, really happy and really quite proud of the um, the effort that they showed. Exactly. Yeah, I think that was, Myers was being talked to after the match. And he was saying it was down to pretty much he was told before the game or the day after him and Chook being selected. And I was a bit surprised that they were both selected for the match. So it's good to see, I guess, that young blood and up against a, a team that made the grand final last year. And they didn't blood youth. They didn't have really debutants playing. They had the pretty much full-strength squad there. So yeah, that, was, that was close to full-strength for them. So for us to... I, I was I was expecting to lose going into the game. Yeah, yeah. Um. I don't think, you know, I don't think that'd be out of the ordinary to suggest that. But um, I'm just, yes, yeah, super, super happy, super proud. Can't, you know, lost, lost for words in some senses. Mm. Um, overall, just, yeah, terrific intensity. I think mm. summed up perhaps at the end by uh, Gary Rowan's effort in the middle of the ground. Yeah, definitely. That that was one of the um the focuses that the actual the club identified in the off season. There was an article that came out today on the Cats website about it. How they they needed that half forward and and forward pressure, and that was the missing link to the game plan they were trying to get to. And that's why yeah. they recruited Rowan and and Dalhouse, and that's why they brought Atkins in. As, as, you know, Atkins can probably spearhead spearhead that forward half pressure along with Dalhouse, yeah. who was fantastic as well. But all you said, it was probably one of our best games for the year already, even though we've had one. But it's definitely the most important game I can see us winning this year because before the game, 
you look at our like next seven weeks and you think like, all right, so we've got Collingwood and then we've got Melbourne at home and then we've got Adelaide away and then we've got GWS and there's some other games there and the West Coast one included. But you look at that and you think, geez, we literally have the toughest draw and we literally do. There was a champion data uh, spreadsheet that came out and actually had us ranked mm-hmm. first for the hardest draw. So looking at that draw before this game, you're thinking, oh, God, if we if we get out of that sort of run with two or three wins out of the seven, we're lucky. But now that we've won this game, that literally flips it on its head and, and some other results from round one changes everything. So you look at it, now we've beat Collingwood, who's a, premier for, a premiership player from last year. Um, then we've got Melbourne next week, who had a horror game against Port Adelaide. Then we've got Adelaide the week after, who had a horror game against... Hawthorne, and then we've got GWS who looked in good form, but I think we can definitely take some um, positives out of this game and mm-hmm. and sort of not without getting ahead of ourselves and say, you know, we're going to win the premiership and win 10 games straight. Even if we can just show that competitiveness again, we'll be in most of the games, especially for the first half of the year before the buys. So there's a, definitely a lot of positives to take out of it and not just from individual players, but for the team as a whole, because there was definitely a lot of change that we could see. And yes. it was good to see. It was probably the most we've changed as a team in probably the last six years, I'd say. Yeah. Genuine, genuine you know, new, fresh energy. And um, that's what the enthusiasm of youth can do. Three key us. stats that I, I take out of this match against Collingwood, who they're a pressure fit outfit that is similar to the D, similar to Richmond, similar to those kind of clubs that play Essendon in their finest form. I know the weekend wasn't the best um, show for the Dons and same for the Dees, but in, in their finest form when the Dees are on, Essendon are on, Richmond are on, Collingwood are a hybrid of sorts of those kind of teams, fast flowing through the middle. But for me, clearances, to beat them, clearances 40 to 35. Um, to beat them in terms of tackles, 63 to 49. That's yeah. incredible. It just shows that pressure outfit um, and one percenters as well. It, it, the one percenters really matter. It's and that's where it. We talked about Gary Rowan in the center there and the work at the end there from Harry laying that tackle and so on. Oh, and and um, you know, just another uh, another point is the obvious shout out to um, Reese Stanley. You know, he's often maligned at various times throughout regular seasons, or he has been in the past you know, kind of a scapegoat of sorts. But he was terrific against, uh, you know, Brody Grundy, probably the premier ruckman of um, of the competition. It was incredible. Broke even at guess, least, I would guess say. Who, guess who had uh, equal inside 50s for the match? I know he had some freeze. I know Grundy gave away some freeze for him. Oh. Reece Stanley, equal six with Danger and, and Tim Kelly. So if he's racking up 18 disposals, again, we've we talked about this last year when he was fit and unfortunately got injured. But when he was fit and he was raring to go last year, he was racking up 20 disposals per match around about like 18 to 20, getting good amounts of hit outs and getting involved in defense and forward. This mo- mobility is just all about it. So I think with the 66 rule, it really favors Stanley because he is a bit of a gut runner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely got that athletic sort of background. Even at St Kilda, he, you would, you know, you sort of remember him for like the long, the long leads. And at one stage, he, and I don't want to go too far, but sort of reminded me of Nick Rewalt when he would, you know, 
run a hundred meters just to get on the end of a lead. But yeah, he definitely adds that that flexibility of being essentially another midfielder. If he can keep racking up 18, 20 disposals and get his four to six marks around the ground and he's got such a big, strong, powerful kick and he did utilize that a couple of times from the free kicks he did receive when Grundy infringed on him. He just, you know, belted in the forward line. And yeah, he yeah. definitely def- or he beat Grundy around the ground in the air in regards to the marking. Um, and I, I originally thought, because I went to the game, that Grundy beat him on the taps, but just watching yeah. the replay, you could see that he did actually, you know, pretty much break even with Grundy on the tap work as well. I I love his um when he when he has his center breaks or center clearances, uh, but he's the one that carries the ball out of the middle. Yeah. And then sit, you know, 40, 45 meters. And to your point, Jake, in regards to the Nick Rewald comparisons, I if I distinctly recall. That's what Saints fans were also saying early in his career. Yeah. They could yeah. see elements of Nick Rewalt in his game. It's not just uh, the blonde obvious, hair. Yeah, obviously <laughs> there's a, obviously there's a quite a, a chasm perhaps in um, potential ability or or the ability of, of both players, but um, you know there's definitely similar attributes for sure. I think that's one area that Geelong's really excelled in the last couple of years is is getting players that don't really have a home in regards to their positions on the ground and and putting them in a spot and making it work. So Blitzarves, yeah, and especially Stanley, the flexibility that we've been able to use some players in has given us the edge. Remember when like Blitzarves first started playing, maybe second year, and he yeah. and like you know I remember Bruce saying like, oh, this guy's just dynamic he's like he's changing sort of how the ruckman sort of mold was played because they were playing blitz in the ruck and he essentially was just another midfielder and yeah, yeah. I, I think the flexibility of how we we're able to use some of our players at times like stanley as a yeah. as a extra midfielder who can also ruck instead of a ruckman who can get disposals um yeah that's a real benefit to stanley and a credit to him as well and it certainly helps out we've got a center half forward in sav that played majority match up forward because of that. Yeah, he did have a spell in the ruck here and there. But for all and most, he was up forward and he was a target. I can't honestly remember one contested mark that was taken by either Collingwood or Geelong inside their forward 50 for the match. I think both yeah. teams defended really, really well. I think we got caught out on the flood. Jamie Elliott really oh. showed, showed us that. Um, just his pace against the likes of Blitz. Just the flood over the top, but... In yeah, a second, a couple, I think a we Joe that, and Marco moved back, and, um, and we did have one man back there to kind of stop that at times. We were more aware of that, but that's where we really got hurt. Mm. Yeah, I, I nearly nearly threw something over the fence at one point. I was <laughs> screaming, like, why are we leaving Jamie Elliott at the back? And I was explaining to my dad, like, look at where, you know, Blitzarves or Jack Henry at the time was standing. He was standing like five metres in front of Elliott, and the play was sort of on the wing. And I think that was the second goal. Like, Blitzars was just standing too far. You need to be on, like, next to him. Because as soon as Elliot, as soon as Elliot sees that the ball's about to go Collingwood's way, he's already running back, and you might as well put the, the goal in the in the paper already. It's too late then. Yeah, yeah. he's he's got a great turn of speed. And we, like, I I could, well, I knew that he was a quality player. Um, you know, it's, it's plain to see, but... We know yeah. that he's a quality player. He's just been out for a period of time. 
I think that's where having Tui or Buse back in the team would have helped us there because I didn't think Blitzarv or Henry were a great fit for uh, Elliot. They were too slow and not agile enough. Mm. Buse having that muscle and having that, yeah, a bit more acceleration, yeah. But, yeah, well, yeah. Tui's proved to be like our number one, like, lockdown um, small defender when we do play teams with like a smaller forward line so it did show though that and from the JLT we we kept a relatively similar team to JLT too I think we yeah pretty much for the most part the same team yeah Jed Buse didn't play um Cam Guthrie didn't play injury but get picked which is good yeah. to have that consistency even though it's not a you know a real game just having the, you know the more that a team can play together is is um obviously really beneficial. I, I still have like engraved in my brain. Chris Judd was talking about cohesion last year, and he brought mm-hmm. up this chart about like how many games uh, like teammates have played with each other, and it sounded stupid at first. But then he actually brought up the list of the teams who've had the most players play games together, and it was you know more of the top teams that have had that core group that have played together. So mm-hmm. yeah, the more consistency we can have. And now that we've you know blooded these four youngsters early, we really shouldn't have to chop and change the team the team too much apart from bringing some senior players back. Like we've got those four debuts early, um, mm. yeah, and too much like yeah, you know, changing around from here. Yeah, we've seen what they can do pretty early, and so we know what to expect from them now. So it can just be a horses for courses type setup. Um, for future for them, you know, because we want you want to keep blooding the young players. Keep, I, I would say, play a young player or play a you know basically a first year player. Play at least one first year player in every game. Yeah, we just, we just had four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like, you so know, we covered for four weeks. We should have the same team for four weeks now. That, yeah, that could be. We coming back maybe replacing one and and Jebbies or someone. I wouldn't be opposed to, but yeah, I, there's no reason why that exact 22 can't beat Melbourne down at Gidini Park. On our home uh, home patch, for sure. I think the biggest difference to last season, which we picked up in JLT, especially the match against the Dons, was the change in our forward line. So aside from the stalemate Hawkins there, everything's changed. Everything's changed. Yeah, essentially, yeah, like the whole brand yeah. line. Yeah, yeah TK roams around, yeah, Manigold may roam around. Albert's playing more up forward now. But the likes of Gary Rowan, Tom Atkins, Luke Dowhouse, it's just Grand Myers. It's just a, a totally different team. But the new big dynamic. Sap, it seems like a new player. Like that, You know, that's what uh, the, the injection of youth and, and new energy and mm. um, just excitement and... Um, Fair bit of uh, fair bit of passion. I mean, that's what you go to the footy to 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 see. The fact that Ablett's there now in that forward line, teaching the likes of Parfit and and Atkins and Myers, is like imagine getting like a front row seat to the Ablett show every week, and not necessarily just watching him kick the goals, but imagine being Brandon Parfit and like watching how Ablett runs around packs, and especially mm. like one sort of play comes to mind when Ablett had just given away a front on contact free kick and he was sort of complaining to the umpire. There was yep. a turnover and then next, well, I think it was about three efforts from Gary and then he got the ball back and almost dribbled home a goal. And just the yeah. fact that Ablett was doing that 
that would I don't know if it's it sort of would be inspirational for those like young kids watching that and it gives them if like if Ablett's doing it is at his age and there's no expectation for him to do it even though there's a a lot to uh leave on Ablett being in the forward line it's it's good good to see him doing it and good to see him teaching the kids as well yeah yeah and how much confidence you guys will take a lot out of it yeah we were just talking off air that Tommy Atkins selling candy and feeding <laughs> Joel Selwood inside 50. <laughs> I mean, yes. that's a bucket list take off, tick off if you, 15 years ago <laughs> with Gaz and Selwood. Yeah. I was telling some people at work, like, they were, they were saying, like, oh, you know, how do you, how do you reckon we're going to go on Friday? And I said, yeah, it's going to be good to see all the rookies. And they were like, yeah, I don't know how we'll go with the rookies. And I said, well, mm. look, if there's one person that's not a rookie, it's Tom Atkins. He's been around the traps for a while. He's been our captain for two years in the VFL. So, don't worry about him. He'll do his bit. He's not a rookie. He's a rook. Yeah. <laughs> he's a max rook. <laughs> he's a max rook, yeah. But, yeah, I guess the, those four debutants, Atkins, laying some tackles, yeah, five tackles. Get used to that. Get used to at least five tackles per match, yeah. not double. Um, used the ball well, uh, created pressure. Even if he wasn't tackling, he was just harassing. Same with Myers as well. Only the three tackles, but he was just harassing defenders a little bit. Um, Gary Rowan, the 10 disposals, he's not going to pick up that many disposals throughout the season, throughout matches, but it's, as we saw in the, the JLT2 game against Essendon, it's... He's a moment player. It's, it's, it's funny that people call him a small fort because he's got a huge mark on yeah. him. And he's actually tall. Like, I he's, thought he was a bit shorter than what he was, but he's actually six quite four, tall. He? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he, he probably should have ended up with two goals anyway. He had, he had two... He had that one in the goal square where he just, like, it was yeah. like a deer in lights and got tackled, and then there was another one where he just missed. Um, but yeah, like he 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 played his role. He tackled, and especially that one that you mentioned before, Ollie, in the last like dying minutes of the game. Um, and then Constable and Clark did their bit as well. But um, you mentioned Myers, and Myers actually reminded me of a young Luke Dalhouse, not only because of the hair, but because of that desperation of how he attacks the ball. Yeah, and there was yeah one, it's a little wrecking ball. There was one. Um, thing I remember about Dalhouse early days was that goal he kicked. I think it was against Geelong where he sort of got pushed on his back and then got straight up and kicked the ball off the ground and threw the goal from like the pocket. Yeah, that's the yeah. That 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 reminded me of Myers. Um, the way that he attacked the ball and it was he won a couple of like one on two or one on three contests just by going for the ball. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And that's what you want to see from the kids is just like absolute sheer desperation to affect the ball and not let it get into the uh, opposition's hand. So that was really promising from him. That's yeah. right. And I also, also liked a little bit of the um, – he's not afraid to, um, you know, give a little bit of niggle or, um, yeah. you know, he's not going to get pushed around. He's not going to get dictated to by players older than him or more experienced than him. I think there was uh, one, um, one incident on the um, boundary line. Is it Langdon? Yeah, yeah. Tom yeah, Langdon. he. I think he uh, he tackled Langdon to the ground, or Langdon made a mistake, or something. Kicked it out on the full due to yep. Myers' pressure. Myers turns around and kind of, you know, stands over him a little bit and gives him you know, a mouthful or whatever. I liked that because you know he's kind of asserting his authority on on a situation even at a young age, and he's just oh, even attacking it aerially. There, there was a mismatch. I, I can't remember who the Collingwood defender was in midfield, but it was a, was a six foot two player or six foot three 
Myers didn't have a chance to mark it or spoil it, but he was literally just jumping up just to create a bit of havoc. And yeah, it, yeah, it was, it was the more they're free, but it, it did work. Yeah, it Darcy, Darcy Moore sort of blocked him from yeah. the contest and he sort of jumped over Moore, who was protecting two other Collingwood players, and he won the free, but still got a punch on the ball anyway. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's bloody awesome. He's nearly killed himself to try and get to that, and Moore was blocking him as well. So, mm. No, it was, it was fantastic to see the rookies as well. Charlie Constable, 21 disposals and a goal. Welcome to the AFL, son. We're surprised we didn't see you last year. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll see you a lot more this year. Yeah. And Jordan Clark, just after I think after I think the West Coast match in JLT won, it's, uh, it's strange to see one preseason match and already know that a kid is going to be, uh, okay, if he stays with us, he's going to be with us for the next decade. <laughs> but he's going to have a big future, Jordan Clark. I think the club was already um, already considering giving him a new deal. Yeah, you'd you'd want to keep him uh, keep him locked up. He was rated the best kick in the draft, and he showed it when he hit Hawkins on the chest from like sixty meters away, and I, that's like when it was absolutely confirmed. Like this kid's not holding back. He looks so comfortable at the AFL level. He's not afraid to go for marks. He didn't get any tackles, but he got in a couple of situations where he had to be rough and ready to get out of it. And mm-hmm. yeah, he, he did. He didn't look like he faltered at all, as well as Constable. And like you said, Roe Constable probably deserved a debut last year, and mm-hmm. it was definitely worth the wait. Just before we started recording this, we found out that Bailey Scott got the round one Rising Star nomination, and I saw in a tweet from Ryan Reynolds, who's one of the reporters from the Geelong area, Bloody that yeah. no one's talking about Charlie Constable's game. Like twenty-one disposals, eight. Marks, I think, and a goal on Friday night. No one's talking about him. <laughs> mm. yeah. He might be one that flows under the radar, but that's that's okay by Geelong. You're right. Oh, his goal was not only was it perfectly timed, but it was actually a very skillful goal. He got it on the boot and it went through it at a perfect opportunity for us. And I just love the boys getting around. I love the boys getting around the young players or the you know the the new yeah. players. Mm. <laughs> welcoming yeah. welcoming them into the club. Yeah. A back line with the exception of Clark coming in was, I guess, relatively unchanged. Familiar faces that we've seen from last season. Similar, I guess, to our midfield with the addition of Constable. The forward yeah. line, yet, as we've spoken about, completely different. We'll start talking about, I guess, some individual players' performances that really stood out from this match. Jake? Yeah, I did um, a little bit of a... A segment today that we posted. So if you wanted to see the uh, full every player rated review, just go onto the um Cadinia face Cadinia Carter Facebook and have a look at that. But definitely some of the um some of the individual performances were worth talking about. Obviously Tim Kelly was just an absolute beast the whole night and he got the uh, ten coaches votes as well and he just thirty one disposals and Four tackles and eight marks, I believe, just off the top of my head. He was just absolutely everywhere, and a lot of um, a lot mm. of Collingwood supporters were not liking him, which is normally a good thing for Geelong. <laughs> Tom Stewart, I thought, would he he had an amazing game as well as the Stanley. His rebounds, twenty six disposals, but he used it so well. And uh, yeah, I think without him, we may not have won that match down back. The nine rebound fifties was a big a big stat. That's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, danger. Yeah, it's danger. Selwood, twenty-seven disposals, twenty-five. Goal, twenty-three. The, the usual suspects, but 
I see Parfit cracking 22 along with Constable. Uh, Dalhouse, first game for so, I love Dalhouse's game. Yeah, I, I thought he was great pressure-wise. Um, ball use was fairly decent. So there's not too many players I can think of that didn't have a great game. Jack Henry didn't see much of it, but to be fair to him, I guess, he's playing on small forwards, kept down back, I guess. Yeah, he, he would have had his attention occupied by just monitoring his own players most of the time, so he didn't get much of a chance to uh, really do anything. He still had a couple of good tackles along with um, Kola Dashney, who was reasonably quiet as well. Mm. Ol and I were saying just before we went on air that Asava like, was flying for his marks, but he wasn't marking anything. But the fact that he still was going up and making a contest and he didn't actually get credited with any marks and he only had two tackles, but... As I said to Ol, he, he made the contest in that last play uh, that ended up in Hawkins' goal. And I think it was him that tapped it out to Duncan, to Kelly that, that led to Hawkins' goal. So he still competed in the air and, and let our guys get to it after a, after a marking attempt. And even when he was in the ruck, he would get it down to the ground and even try and get it to a player. And, and that's what you want to see when you're not marking well or doing your job specifically that well. At least he was trying to make something else happen in another way. So credit to yeah. him for that. You know, that's all you want to see from a from a forward. At least he was taking another key defender. You know, yeah, and, exactly. And yeah, and making them kind of more accountable. Mm. Yeah, and and more Darcy Moore probably played one of his better games for the club as well. He was marking absolutely everything, and looks like being the uh, James Sicily of this year, and will probably be gunning for an All Australian halfback spot. He looked in great form. Yeah, quick shout out to Ben Jarwin and Sam Batty listening when they get to, to hear this, uh, avid listeners. So lo- yeah. love the support, keeping us going, and we appreciate doing this to you guys. But when you got the injury, the injury here list I'm looking at, Cockatoo, uh, yeah, fair enough. I don't see him as a short-term incomer. Soft tissue injuries, That's a, a who knows where that's going to end up. But Zach too will come back in the next few weeks following a knee injury. Zach Smith, MCL, probably give it another month. I'm guessing at the most, old. Yeah, probably, you know, another perhaps four to six weeks. But then there's also the um, the instance of him needing match practice. So yeah, exactly. he's likely yep. to play yep. VFL. Yeah. Ken Guthrie did play the uh, the JLT2 match. Calf tightness is reported. Scott Selwood, that same realm as Nikita Cockatoo. Soft tissue injuries for... Pressure forwards and pressure tacklers. They're just, I hate, I hate it, I hate it. And Lockie Henderson, I'm not sure if he wasn't selected due to fitness or lack of match fitness coming back, being injured and gaining well, that's just, you know, or team balance. just if, if Harry Taylor got the peak over him. What yeah, do you reckon? team balance perhaps. Yeah, and and ten one percent is to to Taylor really really showed that I think. Yeah. Quite the only thing that. I could have um could have thought. Henderson might have been in for Jack Henry. They could have played a similar role, but Collingwood don't really have a second tall forward. Like it really is Cox and then Myacek. So yeah. I think Henry was matched up on Myacek for a little bit. And, and they both got good leaps, yeah. Yeah, they do. And, and Myacek, I think, was even playing up the ground a little bit more. And it was really Cox that um, mm-hmm. was the main target up forward. And, and credit to Harry Taylor. He was getting his... Um, his ass handed to him in the first half and huh. the second half belonged to Harry. Cox only yeah. had three touches and I'd think maybe one mark, but 
Harry may be getting old and slow and he still knows where to run. He's still got the smarts, so don't count him out just yet. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Out of those names listed, though, Cocky, but yeah, not in the foreseeable future, but maybe Buse, Guthrie, Hendo, Tui mm. potentially come back into the fray soon. But that 22 he just played, I'd be happy to play that. As we just said, I'd be happy to play that same 22 against Melbourne at Kennedy Park this Saturday and and I'd be confident enough to, to come out with a win. Absolutely, yeah. You wouldn't want to be um, you wouldn't you wouldn't be taking anyway anyone out for form issues, especially after the first round. But you would only think it would be like a team balance thing, as Ol said. Um, if they had like an extra small forward, then you'd probably bring a, a Tui or a boot abuse back for Henry or another taller defender. Or mm. yeah, just look at the just look at how much they seemingly enjoyed themselves, though. Like. You don't mm. want to mess with the harmony and cohesion mm. of a lineup too often. And I think that was an issue last year is that there were there were players coming in who didn't necessarily deserve to be there and there were players that stayed in there that didn't deserve to be there. And, and a lot of the fans were getting restless at some stages like, why wasn't Charlie Constable playing? And, you know, why is this player um, staying in the team when... Mm. It's so so they shouldn't be there, and this player's performing so well in the VFL. So, um, yeah, it's just one of those things you can never know what's going on in the coaches' room and how they pick the teams. But hopefully, the team that we have in the park each week is the team that deserves to be there each week. So, yeah, exactly. yeah. If you're good enough, it won't matter how young you are. That's it. That shouldn't matter. Age is just oh. a number. Following on from that. <laughs> 2019 leadership group recently got announced and a third-year player has reached the leadership group out of the group of seven with the likes of Harry Taylor, Dangerfield, Selwood, Duncan, Tui. Tom Stewart's in there. A.A. Stewart. Tom A.A. Stewart. I apologise. I'm very sorry. I'll end there. You've disrespected his name. Yeah. (laughs) We, we, yeah, he, he is forever now AA Stewart. Yeah, it, it shows, I guess, you don't really know what goes inside the club room from last year and the year before. You go back to that Sydney match in, in 2017, the finals, he's effort there. He, he was a, a cult figure, really, from the get go, yeah. from his first game. But you never know, really, his dynamic and how, influence he, how much influence he has inside the dressing room. and for him to be in the leadership group really shows he's a huge figure. Ever, ever since he's been at the club, like he's just gone from strength to strength and he's just oozed professionalism. Even this year, he's been part of the coaching panel for the AFLW, so you can tell he's fully invested in the club and, yeah, he just seems like the ultimate professional person and he definitely deserves to be in the leadership group to to take this club further for the next six or eight years, however long he plays for. Just but more through actions than words. Oh, absolutely, and we only have to remind, well, we don't even have to remind ourselves of the uh, effort he did against Sydney in the uh, elimination final. <laughs> in the, yeah, yeah, was it a, was it a semi-final? Yeah. 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 On yeah. the wing, that, yeah, that thousand-metre sprint. <laughs> that just <laughs> thousand-metre thousand <laughs> thousand sprint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that's what it felt like. <laughs> yeah, no, um, it was uh, a Brilliant effort, and we know we can do it, so... That's just stock standard for him. Mm. We talk about bringing rookies in. We've yeah, we've debuted four young kids on top of 
Dalhouse and Rowan playing their first game for us. That game against Collingwood, we also had the likes of Big Sav, Jack Henry, Cole uh, Jasney, young kids, so young guys under the Mike O'Connor. Would have been over half the squad would have been under the age of 23, I think. Mm-hmm. 23, still under. From that, and, or under, you know, under perhaps 100 games. Yeah, exactly. And, and Collar is signed on until 2021 for the Cats, which is really good news. Yeah, he's a very handy player. Another one of these players that can play a variety of positions. Mm. Yeah, so we did see him a few seasons ago on the wing. Last season, due to injuries mainly, he maintained that centre-half back role. Um, Harry Taylor, 32 as he is, and Hendo, maybe not fully fit, or we're, we're not sure if it's selection issues or fit, fitness issues, but you see Cole at 23, all right, he's already had a full season where he's occupied centre-half back in key position role. It's a good decade he's got left that he can just yeah. develop into that type of player. I mean, you have to be an athlete to succeed at AFL, and He's quite athletic and fast and strong and tall, so he'll be doing good things for us down back or on the wing, whatever he does for the next few years. Mm. Since we last spoke, Jake, I think the AFLW Cats, they were relying on a loss from a certain team for them to make finals, to make a prelim final, and they did. That that match did fall through. They made finals. Credit to them. Uh, it didn't go fantastic against Adelaide, the result, but you can't take anything away from this season, can you? No, absolutely not. There was definitely no expectation, firstly, for them to play finals, let alone cause an upset in Adelaide against the best team in the comp. But um, obviously they lost by quite a bit, but the fact that they even made or the, the fact they even got themselves to a position to be considered for finals, regardless of whether there was a conference system in place or not, is an absolute credit to them, and and this first season of AFLW can only be viewed as a success based on the young kids that they've introduced to the team, the people that they've drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, Meg McDonald and one other who we'll get back to has been named in the All-Australian squad of 40, and I think both of them will end up in the team, even though Adelaide's got like nine players that have been nominated. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, definitely a credit to Paul Hood, the coaching group, and all the girls at the at the Geelong Cats AFLW team, they've captured the, uh, the the heart of the city very quickly, and I think people will be looking forward to next year when they get a couple of key players back and just get that little bit more experience. So, yeah, I, I was I was really happy with them. See yeah. how Nina Morrison goes with a full yeah. all the best, and yeah, that was un- very unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. Well, she'll be she'll be back all, and I think. Um, she she'll still want uh, well she'll want she'll want revenge for the injury that she sustained. She'll be back with the thing. Yeah, the Maddie McMahon and and Meg McDonald, the two defenders from the Cats, being selected in all Australian, which is great news. Yeah, off of other performances like we've seen this season from Leah Purcell getting that round five nomination against Brisbane, Rocky Cranston's moments of brilliance here and there. Anna Teague, it's been great to watch. And it's great that the, the city's just embraced it. Was it 15,000 or 18,000 for the first match? Yeah, 15,000 at the first match. And I, I think the AFL and the AFLW shot themselves in the foot a bit. Not only did they put the conference system in, which nobody wanted or asked for, and which has sort of reduced the quality of the um, final series as a whole, but 
They also had time slots open on Saturday afternoon for the AFLW finals to be played, and they still chose to play it on a Sunday. And then going back to the conference system, as I said, Geelong probably shouldn't have been playing against the best team. It probably should have been North Melbourne or Melbourne. Um, and obviously that's why there was such a big blowout in the, that last uh, final that Geelong played. You, we could see over the last couple of weeks that being a first-year team and a young team, they'd lost their legs a little bit and they were just getting run off their feet in the second half by some of the teams. So even with all that said, it was still a, a positive season for the Geelong Cats girls and a positive season for the AFLW as a whole as the quality of games went up a whole lot. And hopefully it's a cracking um, grand final on Sunday in Adelaide versus Carlton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll be watching that one. Yeah. Just before we preview Melbourne, a little little pet hate might I want to get off my chest. That, and I guess this is taking the the blue and white hoop glasses off a little bit. Yep. When you read in the paper, okay, yep. Um, going down towards you know the clutch final moments and to Jeremy Howe. And it's regarding the obvious Jeremy Howe mistake that led to the Cats goal and we ended up sealing the match. Yeah. Gone two ways for me. If if they win that match, who would have all the blame be thrown on? Mark Blitzarv's kick out in the full. But yeah, does anyone really hit the spotlight on Jordan Degoe's bang average performance when he's talked about being an, a superstar and wanted by various clubs? And he had yep. not a shocker of a game for me. But yet, I thought Jeremy Howe played really, really well. Yeah, one one clutch error at the end. Yep. Pretty unlucky, pretty unlucky to not be given uh, mark of the round or, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think Isaac Heaney had something to say about that the next day, but, yeah, it was a good attempt. I think that's just how the media and especially fans on social media process things nowadays. They're quick to uh, React, blame yeah. people for the for the obvious mistakes, but uh, yeah. you know, rarely do they go into the further details like the, the stat that you read out before about Essendon, you know, only running a certain amount of kilometres in the game, which was the lowest recorded for a long time. So mm. people uh, don't really look further into things and what they see on the TV, and I think that's why we are so quick to blame. You know, it, it's not very, easy to... Very, yeah. very instantaneous and very um, instant gratification type stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and, and even, um, you know, especially with social media nowadays, even, you know, there was that footage of Nathan Dr- Jones who dropped the... Uh, that chess mark on the 50 and within 10 seconds of it happening, the seven channel seven Twitter had it posted as a GIF. Really? Yeah. The microscope <laughs> pressure cooker type environment is um, very much on the players these days. Yeah. They can't really escape it. They literally can't do anything without it being news or someone mentioning it or talking about it. Yeah. Very much a fishbowl for them, I would think. Yeah. I guess we'll get into previewing our first game down at Cuny Park now. This Saturday, the, the 30th of, of March, Melbourne, the Ds had two close matches against them last season. One Max gone kick after the siren was a behind. We won it from that. And then the final one, Zach Tui kicking into the Gary Ablett Terrace that just 
which was uh, made better Fantastic. by the Fantastic. made better by the Titanic theme song, I think. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That, that, <laughs> you know, everything's made better by. Um, yeah, it fits with everything. Theme song. My heart will yeah. go. Look, previewing Melbourne. I, interesting to get your thoughts on this, boys. We got absolutely rolled by them. Let's be honest. In the elimination final last year, they were faster than us. They were more competitive. They more grit, more grunt, more tackle energy. Generally, we just did it more on a different level. Uh, yeah. In round one, they looked tired. I, I know Stephen May and Cole Jazz, okay, Cole Jasney for them, and their defence is a bit shaky at the moment. They have the likes of Oscar McDonald playing at the moment, but mm. they looked extremely tired. Yeah, and and Port, you know, they came over and they had a point to prove not only uh, as a team, but there was a couple of players that had question marks around them and. I think Jack Watts really led them with um, things that happened in his off-season. He was out there to prove a point. And, yeah, Port just came out with a bang and, and Melbourne started okay but then just fell away and they had a scoreless last quarter I didn't realise until yesterday, which is, um, yeah, they're, they're um, not going to be happy with that. And then, of course, when you see these games, you always think about, oh, we're playing them next week. How does that affect us? Max Gorn was bullied by... Patrick Ryder and Scott Lysett, and you'd think mm-hmm. they'd actually pull the trigger on bringing Braden Pruce in, and that that might be an issue for us because I honestly don't think that we'd have two ruckmen that could go with Gorn and Pruce in the ruck, so we'd have to find a strategy, much like Port did, to uh, combat Gorn, especially because I don't think Pruce is as polished a player, but he's definitely a brute and can dominate the uh, the tap work in the ruck. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a fair call. Yeah. For me, the, the only really the D's player that played a decent game was Christian Salem. Other than that, they they looked, for me, atrocious all over the field, to be honest. Um, up forward, they didn't have many targets and contested marks were a bit shaky. And down back, it, it yeah, they, they just looked knackered and they looked still in pre-season mode for me. I'd, similar to the Western Bulldogs-Sydney match, wasn't expected, I guess. There's a lot of matches this weekend that weren't expected. There were a lot of upsets. This could turn into a different form next week. <laughs> Don't know what yeah. Yeah, and, and Stephen May will be back from his suspension and there will probably be a couple of other stuff also. It can change around very quickly, so I'm sure they won't be uh, worrying about the past and they'll look to this next game. But, yeah, oh, like you said, um, before the, the Port Adelaide kids looked really good, and I think Port as a whole, yeah, they really just jumped Melbourne. And I think Melbourne will be back uh, next week with a revised game plan and revised uh, sort of mental approach to the game. Early season form can be a bit of a lottery anyway. So I reckon things don't really settle down until perhaps round five, round six, and we actually start to see, you know, who's going to be in amongst um, the upper echelon of the ladder. Mm. Yeah, and and they do have a good midfield, to be fair. Like, Angus Brayshaw, yeah, he's a gun. We saw the loss last season, he's a gun. Clayton Oliver didn't have the greatest of matches, but he's a young talent. James Harms, hard nut. Nathan Jones, another hard nut. Uh, Petrarca, he's a bit inconsistent, but has a bit of X factor. Hunt played, actually. He didn't have that much game time at, at all last season, Jaden Hunt, so I was surprised to see him round one. 
Bailey yeah. Fitch, you, you know you're going to get from him a bit on the wing, and he's got a good mark to, to put up front as well. But, um, you know, it was the likes of Sam Wiedemann didn't really perform, Wagner, Jetta, Frost. They definitely have some weapons in the team, and I think, like in any game, the key is to match them early, and, and especially with this newfound ferocity that Geelong showed against Collingwood. Like, come out early and just, like, don't let him have a sniff. Just come out and, and belt him again. And even if it's a contest, we'll have some, if we have some early ascendancy, we should be able to ride it out, especially at home. But if you let teams get a sniff, teams that are as good as Melbourne based on their form last year, then it's always going to be trouble. And they're one of the recent teams that have beat us down at home, as we all remember. So mm. try our best to um, snuff them out early and just hold on from there. Yeah, and hope the crowd can get involved. Yeah. Oh, yeah. First home game, it will be loud. <laughs> and uh, going off that, that Melbourne match when they, they did have a shocker of a match against Port Adelaide, we're expected to win against a bunch of debutants that Port were playing. The likes of Jack Viney and Clayton Oliver and, and Max Gone not having their best performances, they'll be wanting to make an impact and they'll be wanting to make a statement. So Jack Viney playing pretty much yeah, four-fifths of the game, game time, about 80%. And... Clayton Oliver and gone, spending large times on the game, they'll they'll be ready and fairing to go. Yeah, we, we have to be on our toes. But, and and uh, Melbourne have a couple of extra. They've got um, Jeff Garlett and Charlie Spargo, so they do have two smaller forwards. I hmm. think we wouldn't be, you know, putting a lot on bringing an extra small defender in for them because Sparlo, Sparlo, Spargo isn't particularly quick. So I think Jack Henry could go with him if need be. And then you'd want to have someone, especially for Jeff Garlett, because he's just Jamie Elliott 2.0. If we let those small forwards get out the back, it will be trouble. Mm, yeah. So Blitzarves on Tom McDonald slash Taylor, when necessary. Yeah, and I, I think you mentioned Wiedemann as well. So I'd almost have Taylor on, well, just personally, I'd have Taylor on McDonald because I think, McDonald isn't as quick as Wiedemann can be, so Blitzarves has got the the pace to yeah. uh, play Wiedemann, who'd probably be playing further up the ground than McDonald. Where yeah. would Collar Dashney sit, or who would sit on him? Um, I'd probably have Collar Dashney on Melksham, to be honest, because Melksham plays quite tall and he's um, a bit pacey as well. So he Collar could go radar a lot, doesn't he, Jack Melksham? Yeah, he really does. He was he was fantastic in the first quarter for Melbourne and set up two of their goals and kicked another one. So, and he was all he was also uh, terrific for them in the corresponding fixture last year um, at Cadenia Park. Yeah, he was. He's he's really elevated his game at at Melbourne. Yeah, playing more uh, forward role. Onwards and upwards, I guess. And a seven point win against Collingwood for some. It, for me, I'll put my hand up. Yep, an unexpected win first round with the amount of debutants we had playing. Not sure what to expect, but I'm very confident now seeing us perform like that and seeing the Ds perform the way they did round one. Why can't we beat them at Kenya Park on Saturday night? Yep, absolutely. We've got that uh, that positive reinforcement now. And like you said, the we didn't expect to win, but sometimes it's the wins you get when you're not expecting it that are the sweetest. So just got to hope for that um, pressure and determination and the, the effort. And I think one of the main things that Geelong's been missing for the last couple of years, and I might be going an early call here, but 
actually showing like the heart and like they look like all oh, you said before they were having fun when they were playing they looked like they were really enjoying it and you want to see that heart and because some some yeah, teams you see them play and they're especially like Richmond and Hawthorne you see them play for each other and and that's what you want to try and introduce into a team is is that heart and willing to do all the teamwork sort of things and and get the win through that just just uh just meant to make a just to make a point on that um mm. just Luke Delhouse's goal celebration really just yeah yeah, yeah. that's yeah. what that's what every fan's feeling yeah i absolutely loved it i got around it gaz yeah. also showed a fair bit of you know excitement as well yeah but not not excitement for excitement's sake like just it was it, know, it meant more than just the goal. you could see you could see they yeah. wanted it you could see they were ready to just run through a wall if they needed to exactly gary yeah. rowan my childhood dream was to pull on the blue and white hoops and play for this great club Friday night is a memory I'll cherish for a lifetime. It's kind of things we're summing up right here. There you yeah. go. Yeah, it's it's bringing bringing a nice uh, feel good energy to the back to the club, you know. So, cloud cat of the week. We'll, we'll end on that, I guess. So I think um, Sam Managoa he'll step up again. Um, hopefully, over twenty possessions and a few goals. Four goal win to the Cats. Twenty four points. I'll go Brandon Parfit kicked his first goal against Melbourne, and I think he'll be around there again, 25 possessions and two goals, and Geelong will win by uh, 14 points. Nice one. I like it. Given I've given a bit of a shout-out to uh, Luke Dalhouse, he will be my Cloud Cat of the Week for this week. Yeah, I just expect more of the same from him. I reckon, yeah, the Cats by... 13 points. I'll just uh, just go a little You're bit ahead. You're a pessimist. You're, you are a boring pessimist. I'm just... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sick of it. Till next time, boys. Upper Kinney Park against Melbourne. Let's have it. Go Cats. Go Catters.